Myself, Troop Scout leader, Dustin Lays with Beef, across from me. I am Denim Walls, otherwise known as Smoking Dart. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, aka Chief, runs with bins. And of course, in the clubhouse, we have. I'm Elder Little Pond, and I'm glad to be back. Glad to have glad. you back, Nathan. We're, we're all glad to be back. Fucking right, That's season right. three. That's right, we're here for another season of King of the Hill. Let's kick this meeting off like we do the rest with the straight arrow oath. For those of you in scout uniform, three fingers salute. Those at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart. And repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow does not tell a joke at a funeral. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. <laughs> Can I get a round table with my Tanya? Wimatanya! Right on, yeah. Ah, that does feel so good. Feels so oh. good. Cheers to season three. Cheers to season Cheers. three, boys. Feels good today. I'm sipping on a, a lucky beer uh, straight uh, out of Vancouver <laughs> Island. Uh, moved over to the mainland. Denim, what do you got? I, I got a tiger shark, uh, old faithful, we like to call it. That's a classic. I've got a Stanley Park Brewing Trailhopper IPA, and it is nice. And I'm drinking uh, Malt's Clamato Caesar again. <laughs> <laughs> Extra spicy. Extra spicy. Nice. I like the variety in the clubhouse tonight. Let's get into this meeting with uh, some episode info from our historian. All right. This is the death of a propane salesman. Propane Boom Part 2. Part 2. This is the cliffhanger return of Season 3. It was originally aired on September 15th, 1998. This is, yeah, as we mentioned a couple times now, the first episode of Season 3. It is the 36th episode overall. It was written by series regulars Alan R. Cohen and Alan Friedland. And Love the Allens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and directed by Lauren McMullen. Uh, this, I believe, is her, her second and final episode directed. The first being Condo. 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 Um, and, I mean, the title of this episode is uh, obviously a reference to the play Death of a Salesman, which I haven't seen. Me either. Neither have I. Nope. The synopsis is Hank and Luann deal with the aftermath of the propane explosion at the Mega Mart. So before we start this meeting, we have to follow tradition and play a little game we like to call Little Ponds Ponders. Notebooks closed, boys. Close your books. That was open Bible. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for coming. Uh, I'm afraid my questions might be a little easy today. I actually had a hard time getting trivia for this episode for whatever well, reason. We've had a hard day. I think we, our uh, brains will uh, will appreciate that. We have gone through some shit today. <laughs> All right, so I'll start with Dustin. All righty. Okay. 
What does Buck call Hank when he suggests that Hank already gave his notice at the Megalomart? Nitro? Yes. Yeah. I think that's an American gladiator. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It has to do with fire, I think. Yeah, they all are. Miles, what did Buckley get Luann for her birthday? Uh, some CDs he doesn't listen to anymore. <laughs> Later, Buckley. <clears throat> okay, Denim? Yep. What does Dale call the investigator investigating the wreck? They? No. no. Uh, he calls them something. Oh, I don't know. Should I? Okay, I'll skip it for now. <laughs> okay, back to Dustin. Yep, yep. Who called Hank and told him that Bobby was at the playground? Oh, pass. I don't know. Okay, skip that one too. This is easy. I know. Apparently, I. <laughs> okay, Miles. What magazine does Peggy cite that? Wait. Oh yeah. What magazine does Peggy cite that says losing a boyfriend is the fourth most painful loss between? Grandmother and penis. Uh, Webster's? Uh, no. Yeah, I'm not sure. We are trash this <laughs> evening. Skip that one, too. Go with. Denim. Yeah. What kind of tax is Bill in favor for? I thought these were easy. Can I steal? Not yet, no. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I'm fucking drawing a blank. <laughs> okay, so... Dustin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what does Dale call the investigator investigating the wreck? Put your hand down, Miles. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Miles, you're the only one that hasn't answered it, so. Quincy. Yes. Quincy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, sh I was sure it was them. <laughs> so. Uh, sure is the world. <laughs> Miles again, I guess. Who called Hank and told him that Bobby was at the playground? Mr. Krinsky. That's probably correct. I wrote Mr. Trinsky, but <laughs> I, I think Krinsky you're right. Comes back. Like, I swear that was yeah. a writer for Krinsky, another episode. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, David Dave Krinsky. Dave that Krinsky. Name. Dave's Krinsky yeah. for sure. Okay. So, Denim, uh, which one? Oh. Uh, what magazine does Peggy cite that says losing a boyfriend is the fourth most painful loss between losing a grandmother and penis? I was so happy I didn't get asked this one originally. <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I was like, well, I'm glad Good I didn't housekeeping. All right, does anybody know it? No. Miles, you got this for extra bonus I points? It, I got it wrong, wrong the first time. Oh. It's Red Book. Ah, uh, Red Book. <clears throat> okay, so final question. Uh... I guess anyone can say it. What kind of tax is Bill in favor for? Flat tax. Flat tax. Correct. Mm. Boom. What's flat what tax? do I win? I don't actually know what a flat tax is. You win some hot like white, white gravy. <laughs> <laughs> when they're like talking about the explosion. Oh, and Hank's yeah. like, Bill, you're in favor for a flat tax. Why aren't you talking about that? <laughs> Why aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, is that when Hank pours his beer? Yeah, like right before. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that, Nathan. It was uh, a kind of unsuccessful episode <laughs> of Little Phones Ponders, but happy to have you. We can do better. We can do better. I hope those listening at home did better than us. I'm uh, I'm kind of glad there was no prize this one this week. Yeah, I didn't bring a prize. Yeah. I don't know who I would have gave it to. So with that over, let's take it to that first scene of the episode. So the... I forgot. So the, this episode starts off... With the cold open is uh, just a recap of part one, obviously, and we see um, that they're starting to sell propane at Megalomart, 
and then Strickland goes out of business. Hank loses his job. Uh, Luann's going to get a job selling propane at Megal Mart. Um, and then Buckley ends up giving the job to Hank. And uh, one thing leads to another. There's an explosion at the Megal Mart. And that's kind of where we start off the episode. And we jump into the episode. The first scene we see is Bobby and Connie, and they're hanging out at the park together up in this weird jungle gym, rocket-type-looking thing. But it's a real nice park. It has a real nice view of Arlen. And they're talking about that they need to figure out what they're going to do with their lives when they get older. Because, I mean, they're 12 years old. They are old now. I kind of, like, assumed that it was, like, uh, it just reminded me of, like, a water tower kind of thing. I didn't mm-hmm. even really think about it. I guess mm-hmm. it is just a children's playground yeah yeah it's yeah, pretty sweet it's really tall and their uh and their good time gets interrupted by uh stuart dooley because yeah. <laughs> they're they're right in the middle of um discussing what they're going to do with their lives and bobby's going to go to college and study prop comic tree and which is a that's how you say it yeah that's what and it is. connie can't decide between being a concert violinist or leading the fight against the overuse of antibiotics Connie's very ambitious. Bobby's pretty quick to give his advice of, you know, screw the antibiotics and be a violinist so I can open for you. (laughs) Nothing like some prop comic tree and classical violin. Yeah, they go together like peanut butter and soap. Mm -hmm. Your dad got blown up. And we see off in the distance a cloud of black smoke coming up from we assume the megalomart mm-hmm. it's like funny when the episode starts i assumed that they had like known about it already because it's like so obviously like behind them this black like pillar of smoke i mean yeah maybe what okay sorry Good one. Leave that in. <laughs> that, that was live us getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, where was I? Uh, carry on, carry on. Okay, um, so the whole off season, they Fox was still doing that uh, promo where they were running if if uh, Hank was gonna agree to mm-hmm. move into the Hollywood Hills, the Hollywood Hills, and become mm-hmm. Hank of the Hills. And so the big reveal here of like who was gonna pa- who was gonna die in this fire, is first we see two figures come out and it's revealed that it's Hank and a very burnt up Luann, <laughs> and uh, and then we see the next one is Chuck and he's I don't feel so good. I love it, like, Peggy's, like, frantically, like, running around the parking lot, like, screaming and terrified, and she's, like, talking to the firefighter, and then she's like, my husband's in there, he had to work here, because no one else would hire him. (laughs) (laughs) What is your life story matter? (laughs) My husband is in there, he had to type this job because nobody else would hire him. We're doing everything we can, Mrs. Mangione. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh... That firefighter, he was actually voiced by Alan Friedman. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, nice. Got in there on that, yeah. Um, yeah just fucking, after that many episodes. But like... Absolutely roasting Chuck Mangione. Who <laughs> <laughs> was probably in yeah. the studio the same day. <laughs> there was two tragedies that were to occur right here, back to back. And that would be the loss of Luann's Buckley. And her hair that's all burnt up and falling on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely love the shot from, like, 
the sh- shadow of her big bald round <laughs> oh my head. God. Oh, she looks like Caillou. Like her head couldn't yeah. be any <laughs> fucking rounder. It's like comically round. Oh, yeah, but, that uh, show was awful. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I think Hank asked him. He goes, "There's one more in there," and he goes, "Sorry, sir. You know that's this is all we found." And I mean, this is what the whole summer was leading up to—the untimely death of our good friend Buckley. Yeah, yeah. All right, should we Buckley. get a big roundtable Wimitanya for Buckley? Absolutely, we should. Wimitanya. Only, only the good die young. Well, that's the good thing about death. You either die or you don't. I didn't, so let's go hit some balls. And that is the sound of Hank. Uh, because Peggy is concerned uh, after their trip to the hospital. Hank's not as shooken up as she expected him to be. And this is Hank obviously suppressing his uh, real fears of, of death. Because that's kind of the, the whole theme for Hank in this episode and how he's dealing with this tragedy. Of course, the loss of Buckley and uh, his near-death experience. Did you his, see? his one true love nearly killed him. Yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. he, but he wants to go and hit some balls at the batting cage <laughs> with Bobby because... And I love, lo- I just love that. Like maybe while they're there, maybe Bobby should have been checked out for her eating chalk. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> That's not a mint. And obviously, after seeing Hank's uh, kind of process of dealing with this, we see Luann's side of it, and we see obviously different Luann than we're used to, who has been always so dedicated to hair and makeups that she has decided to lay down her 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 clippers. Well, and Buckley, like she's always. Well, she like, broke up with him minutes before he died, so she's totally fine. That's why she still has her eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Peggy's like like prepping Bobby for the first time he's going to see Luann since she doesn't have hair anymore. He's, okay, Luann's going to look a little different. Maybe even hypnotically grotesque. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't stare at her head. And the first thing Bobby does is stare at her head. And he's like, <laughs> shields his eyes. <laughs> and uh, Luann uh, delivers this line that uh, really sets up her... Uh, motivation now aunt peggy i'm not going to use hair or makeups anymore i learned something from that explosion beauty doesn't last forever it can be blown off your head and that's so true amen sister <laughs> <laughs> so uh after i guess they get back from the hospital hank decides to you know just have a beer in the alley with the fellas bill's like oh you shouldn't be sitting down or you shouldn't be standing up after that explosion like and you get some like this old garbage can to sit on <laughs> It's like, it looks so That's much better than standing. Like, Hank like refuses to sit on it, so Bill just sits on it. <laughs> I like the. I think it's at this point that we start to notice that like Hank's just like always sweaty too. Yeah, he's super stressed out throughout the whole episode, and like his shirt is starting to be like discolored and sweaty. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, Hank is uh, <clears throat> Hank's acting like. Like, nothing happened. Nothing is wrong. Buildings explode. And... That's what they do. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> not in a normal what they're built to not do. <laughs> but uh, Dale, he doesn't believe that Buckley's dead. Which, uh, I think he's onto something. Did you happen to see Buckley or any part whom of attempting to flee the scene of the, quote, accident? Dale, the boy is no more. All they found left of him was his name tag. Well, that's all he wanted them to find. Classic cover-up. That boy's no deader than Mother Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, we see Buck pulls up in his car, and he's like, you know, Strickland's back in business. Like, 
and he keeps implying that Hank Hank blew up the Megalomart. And um, Hank's like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to go back to work. What did he say? He uh, to... Oh, he, he didn't get his chance to put in his two weeks. Oh, yeah. So he might be a little bit <laughs> late the next morning. Buck thinks yeah. he definitely put in his two weeks. But I scoured the internet and I scoured the IMCDB and I couldn't figure out what Buck's well, car was. I just assumed it was that caddy from... Yeah, it's it definitely the caddy, but caddy. It's, it's more yellow than it usually is. Usually mm. it's more of like a tan beige color. So, but this I is mean, the 98 model. last one was the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But either way, it's like without a doubt, it's a caddy. A big old, big old caddy. (laughs) Yeah, so this is like the first of a few excuses um, Hank makes like to not go back to work. It's interesting the thought that they put in that Mother Teresa bit. Mother Teresa died September 5th, 1997. About a year before this aired. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, look, there was no conspiracy ever about her not being (laughs) dead because when she died, she was like 90 or like like really old. So I, I mean, guess, the like, best conspiracies are the ones that you never hear about. Yeah, I, Dale's trying to start his own conspiracy <laughs> about old Mother Teresa. I mean, unless he's, like, getting spiritual with it and saying that she lives on forever mm-hmm. through her good deeds. Yeah. Is, but I don't know if that's Dale's uh, who's mindset. Who's Mother Teresa? She's she like was a, a saint. Uh, wasn't she, she uh, Did she ever commit a miracle? It, yeah, she did. Workers? What miracle? I don't know. She's just a good person. No, that's not a miracle. She was actually bad, though. I didn't even well, want to talk I, I about it, but yeah, like, she was like a terrible so. person. Oh, <laughs> yeah. she actually? What yeah. did she do? I thought she like went over and helped, you know, hungry Yeah, I thought people. she helped people. No, that's no. typhoid, Mary. No, no. she uh, killed people. No. no, what she did is like she believed that suffering was like meant by God and wouldn't help sick people. She's like suffering is like like if you're suffering, part you have it. to suffer. Yeah. yeah, it's part of like the whole thing. So she was more concerned about uh, getting more Catholics than she was actually helping the poor and the sick. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's been, Mother like, since, since she's passed away, there's been, like, tons of stories came out, and, like, people want to strip her of, like, her saint title and, like, kind of just, like, she, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I that sounds pretty controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you yeah, always just hear of her being, you know, the best person alive. And... Mm-hmm. and, like, if you want to, like, get into it, you can look online, and, like, there's almost more articles disputing her being a good person than there is, like, praising her for what she did, especially is when she got older and when she got sick. She went to the fucking hospital. <laughs> but the people, like, in her place, like, no, they weren't allowed, like, modern medicine or anything. They were like, yeah, you can suffer as God intended you to suffer. So, so. she's a little bit of a hypocrite. Absolutely. But at the very end of this scene, you see something more perplexing than anything Mother Teresa ever did, and that's Hank taking his beloved Alamo beer and pouring it into a glass <laughs> in the alley in front of all of his friends, just like our historians <laughs> here today. I've been pretty into it for the past few weeks. <laughs> Have you cleaned that mug? A couple times. Oh. <laughs> you can't clean it. You can rid of all the flavor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put on this disco bomb next. Next scene we hop into, we're back at the Hill House. We're inside the kitchen, and Hank is busy at work. Peggy, I am in the middle of decrumming the toaster. Save the crumbs! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but Bobby's wolfing down a couple bowls of that Grandma's right. sugar Grandma's oatmeal cereal. <laughs> They must have just boxes of that on supply for Bobby. Oh, yeah. He Cereal's the best anytime snack. It's I don't care what you say. It's great, especially when you're 12. Yeah, yeah, 12. You're 24. Yeah, yeah. That too. That too. Um, but at this point, Buck Strickland calls, and he's wondering when Hank's going to come into work, and Peggy has no idea that the, the, the previous day Buck offered Hank his job back. But for the first time in his life, Hank ignores Buck's call says he's, you know, he's too busy. Mm-hmm. He's clearly the least busy person we've ever seen. I mean, he's decrumming the toaster. I don't think I've ever done that to my toaster. Oh, my seriously? toast works fine. I decrum, <laughs> I decrum that toaster bread, weekly. 
It has a little trap door on mine. When toast gets cold, does Do it go eat back the crumbs? to bread? No. It's a oh. good question. <laughs> Curiosity killed the cat, Dustin. <laughs> no, then it's just crunchy, t- crunchy bread. It's a crouton. Oh. Uh, it's pronounced crouton. <laughs> you cretin. <laughs> you fucking cretin. So Luann starts getting inspired, sort of, besides just being bald. This is the first, like, <laughs> allusion to Sinead O'Connor. Yes. With the, because she had the starving children was her, like, pretend Saturday Night Live thing. For those of you who do not know, Sinead O'Connor on Saturday Night Live was had a quite controversial moment where she tore up a photo of one of the popes. Because of uh, because the Catholic Church Almost touches as the controversial boys. as Miles' oh, yeah. Mother Teresa comment. <laughs> <laughs> you better hey, hope man. Joe Pesci doesn't come on this show. Yeah, you're gonna get some backlash, Miles. <laughs> Bring it, Pesci. But yeah, um, so but it, during the dress rehearsal for it, she held up a picture of like starving children and said mm-hmm. like, "Fight There's, world hunger." And this then is more important. Yeah, and then uh, and so now we get. Luann here with her Sinead O'Connor bit, getting all into the photojournalism of CNN. Yeah, she's so filled with angst. She is. <laughs> she is quite angsty. <laughs> she's well, taking pictures of the fucking TV <laughs> watching CNN. Well, now that she's kind of one of the misfortunate, as she uh, no longer has hair, she feels bad for them. And when she sees Peggy speaking up, who, you know, has hair, she gets a little bit cross. Oh, it's nice to be smart, Aunt Peggy. Smart and well fed. <laughs> you could even hear it in her voice. Like, that's not like the normal Luann. Like, there's like some like deep fucking rooted issues that she's like holding down and just like, it's like she's almost talking through clenched teeth. Like, she's yeah. like filled with rage or something. It's, it reminds me of Peggy's Turtle Song, how I wanted to see her do be this character in that episode. And then the next scene, we see Dale kind of investigating the scene of the crime, unquote. Uh, and he runs into Quincy. <laughs> and they're, uh, the CSI is doing, obviously, some investigation, mm-hmm. as they do. And uh, So we have the back of his jacket. It says Texas RRC. And would that be, that Texas RRC stands for the Railroad Commission of Texas. And it's the state agency that regulates the oil and gas industry, gas utilities, pipeline safety, safety in the liquefied petroleum gas industry, and surface coal and uranium mining. The RRC stopped regulating railroads in 2005. <laughs> oh, what, are they gone rogue? <laughs> uh, no, the uh, Texas uh, Transportation Board took over, uh, okay. uh, took it over afterwards. But it's just like I love like the the attention to detail that like they would yeah, be on scene absolutely. if there's a propane explosion and they're there and Dale's harassing the Quincy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they have a pretty good comeback to him. And maybe I should not know that all Megalomart employees have a $5,000 insurance policy. That's nonsense. There's a very straightforward investigation. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. Sir, we are they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it makes me, uh, it makes me kind of wonder, like, $5,000 really like, isn't that much money to cause a whole like wholesale club to blow up like <laughs> yeah, that you're causing shit. millions and millions of dollars of damage just to get a five thousand dollar payout like companies buckley? have done worse for less <laughs> fair enough but buckley i'm sure hasn't done worse <laughs> i just love how he's just a pawn man <laughs> wake up you're holding a beer <laughs> 
I love how Dale has nothing better to do. And, like, he should probably be affected by this explosion, too. I mean, his best friend almost died. Like, this is, like, a big deal. And he's got nothing better to do than smoke a cigarette and harass the RRC guy <laughs> investigating. To be fair, this probably is how he deals with his... Oh, he's probably been waiting for something like this. I'm sure Nancy isn't at home, so he's got to do something. Yeah, she has a fucking job. (laughs) So yeah, back at the house, um, Hank, uh, there. I guess he's uh, what do you call it? Tenderizing the steaks for uh, for dinner. But Jesus, (laughs) and and Peggy comes out and's like, "Wow, just put them on a grill already." And Hank's clearly sweating. He's like, he's got these like. PTSD flashbacks, and he starts freaking out. So he just kind of like throws the stakes into Dale's yard, and it's like, what? His explanation is just like so bad. It's like I lost them. (laughs) Like, wouldn't Peggy be like, "What do you mean you lost them? Like, where did they go? Like, yeah, like it makes no sense. Might as well like she. He should have said like Ladybird came and yeah, or like oh I dropped them on the ground. Now they're filthy. Like we can't eat them. But instead he's just like throws them in the next yard and says he lost them. Like and and lucky enough Dale's (laughs) back from his excursion. And then of course Dale Mm. thinks it's garbage of meat from the sky. Doesn't taste like Buckley. (laughs) (laughs) I I think just um just to touch on like how. Peggy and and Hank reacted. I do kind of think that like it kind of just shows that like Peggy doesn't think that Hank can be this weird. She just like always goes along with like look at like Texas City Twister. It's like not his underwear. Yeah, for sure. Like she just goes along with anything that Hank's going to say. Yeah. And that is also how like she kind of enables Hank to be this damaged without actually like affecting yeah like noticing it it takes a lot to notice like it. this scene we see like how bad his crippling fear is but peggy doesn't so she has yeah, she doesn't have a clue exactly but, like, we see him sweating through his shirt just trying to do something that is probably like his most favorite thing if that were to actually happen like peggy would be like what do you mean you lost him like where mm-hmm. did they go but if he just dropped them on the floor and be like oh they're really dirty we can't eat them mm-hmm. she probably would have that like, oh, okay. feels too rational yeah, yeah. that's yeah. too I mean, and with that's Pe- thinking too straight with peggy she yeah. literally needed to be tackled uh, by his fear yeah. for her to realize it <laughs> yeah and like peggy does have a lot on her plate in this episode like she's got to deal with hanks bullshit and luann and who are dealing with it like completely differently? Mm-hmm. Like she's got a lot point, to deal like, with. Luann's is like way more pressing. It's way more apparent. But also, Dale's a fucking idiot. He doesn't realize that those are like some T-bones from next door, <laughs> <laughs> like gobbets of meat from. It doesn't the sky. taste like Buckley. What do you mean, like Buckley to taste like? And it's greasier. Pure. Yeah, <laughs> it's pure raw meat. Like, <laughs> so um, I guess this is the next day. They never got to have their barbecue. The fries were ready, but uh. Which we find out later, Bobby had some, but uh, sure sprinkled <laughs> some crumbs on them. Thanks for ready, but we're inside the Hill House. Uh, they're in the kitchen and they've got their suits and ties on, and they're getting ready to go to Buckley's funeral. And Peggy tells Hank that he was invited or asked to do some grilling at Buckley's wake. And Hank is no, he's not prepared for that. That's something you do for a close relative or a friend. When Bill dies, yeah, like, Bill <laughs> he dies. will man the grill at. at no, Bill's he said party. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Luann comes out in a very lovely dress. <laughs> yeah. It's like a burlap potatoes. Yeah, like over top of like a plain black t-shirt. Yeah. Again, going back to the Sheena Connor bit, kind of like the unassuming, like just plain dress that she mm-hmm. was known for. 
Yeah, it looked kind of like the isotoner that uh, Peggy had in a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I like um, when they're talking about... It's probably from Peggy's closet. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. it probably was. I like when we're talking about uh, Hank being asked to grill. He has to make sure, is it a propane grill? <laughs> yeah. They're not Unitarians. Yeah. <laughs> Miles, why don't you... Uh, Tell us, tell us why that Unitarians would be against. I her. don't want to talk about religion anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get into Mother Teresa. It just got brought up. Unitarians, I could not find a single thing on the internet that has them against propane grilling. Are they like, uh, are they like, uh, what are them? What's that people from Kingpin? Are they like them? Oh, uh, Amish? Yeah, they're like the Amish. Or Mormon? No, oh, it's like, like the Amish. It's just like the Unitarian Fellowship. It's just like a form of Christianity. They just believe different parts. Do they use about... funerals? They don't. <laughs> they don't think there was three disciples. They think there was only one, and it was just God, and that Jesus wasn't made like he's not a disciple of God, but he's. Uh... I don't know what you're talking about. Neither I think... do I. Don't ask me. <laughs> That's. Uh, I think we should bring it over. Are those to the, the wise men? Them. <laughs> oh, yeah, are those the wise men. The three disciples are the wise men. No, the, 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 the three disciples were God, Jesus, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Yeah. You Someone... guys are talking about RuneScape, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it might be. If anybody wants to add me on RuneScape, <laughs> what's your what's Big your dusty tag? Big Dusty four twenty. <laughs> Blunt hunting four twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that corn blast in four twenty. <laughs> And so after we see Luann kind of in her isotoner dress, uh, she uh, she has a little present for her with a note. Sorry for your loss. You had beautiful hair. They made me a wig. We made you a wig. They made me a wig. <laughs> so I nice. love, it looks like they all just like picked up hair at the end of the yeah. day at the <laughs> like salon the sweeps yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. just like glued up. it together it's like if you made a wig based on like a calico cat yeah that's yeah. what it would be that was horrid like and i can't believe it. it it must have been that everybody at beauty school hated her because yeah. they, at beauty school they would have to know that this wig is horrid i <laughs> bet you it was just miss kremser out to yeah. get her and make her feel like shit yeah. definitely was a bitch but like you just like tell when i was talking like there is no spark in her right now like there's nothing but um Bobby grabs the wig and he puts it on as we see at the end of the scene because Luann refuses to wear the wig because as she stated in the earlier scene she doesn't want to use hair or makeups anymore but Bobby puts it on you can see Hank quickly snatch it <laughs> off Bobby's head before the scene changes and now we are at the funeral the funeral the funeral the funeral <laughs> Moth out the funerals. This is, uh, I like how this one opens. It's like Dale it needs closure on this because he ain't going to believe that there's a body in that casket until he sees it and sees it he does. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. we had talked about it offline a little bit, but uh, offline. they offline. They mentioned that there was no body found and it was just his name tag. So I imagine that the RRTC had found Buckley. We also heard that from Dale. Yeah, no, the RRTC did say, R-R-C. "Oh, we found some remains." Uh, I see. I, and we're like they found the full remains. They found yeah. enough to make Dale go green. Yeah, fucking chunder. He also the vomited casket. on him. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like so disrespectful. Like, yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and also like just sneaking a peek at a closed casket funeral. Not what you're supposed to do. 
Mm-hmm. And the funeral starts with Chuck Mangione. He's playing a beautiful melody on his fuglehorn, which seamlessly transitions into <laughs> Feels So Good. Depressing. You want to go play in the cemetery? Okay. That's not depressing. <laughs> no. I love how Buck is just like sitting behind Hank. And <laughs> Do we have that clip? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that, Hank. I'm wearing a wire for an unrelated matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Asking him about it. I didn't blow up the Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, some really. Why good... do you think he's wearing a wire? I think it was for that. For the Megalo part. He says unrelated matter, but it's yeah, unrelated I matter. Lying. I think that is exactly why he's, he's lying. wearing a wire. You think the police went to Buck? Buck's right-hand man allegedly blows up I bet up you the police competitor. have shit on Buck that they make him do stuff like wear a wire. But, like, why didn't the police talk to Hank? Because Hank's not going to confess to the police. He'll no, but confess to Buck. Hank's also a victim still at this point. He yeah, got blown up, too. There's they still would that. interview the victims if, like... But they might I mean, have they probably Buck, did, but... They could have thought Buck put him up to it. Go to Buck first. Buck will be like, if Hank did it, he'll tell me. I'll put so a wire on So you do think it. it's for that reason? Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. And then Unless... he shows his wire. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a pretty deep back... Uh, thought there <laughs> yeah i mean that's just my first instinct. fair enough yeah um but then we get uh luann gets up to say yeah, something she's got her poster she's yeah, like there's not there's not exactly a line like a big line of people that want to get up and talk about <laughs> yeah, the boy's yeah, name uh, buckley where's buckley's parents or like family <laughs> everyone there was just everyone from the alley and john yeah. redcorn <laughs> um, oh i'm not grieving I broke up with Buckley seconds before the explosion, and I never looked back. That's why I still have my eyebrows. <laughs> uh, like how she takes her big poster up there, and she's going to fight the real enemy. <laughs> Just funeral's not the best place to make your stand. Starving Irish <laughs> child. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fat kid. She hangs onto the Irish. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby cherry-picking some fries that is yeah. not made in his underpants. <laughs> Uh, I think, I don't know, the Irish maybe, because uh, Sinead O'Connor's Irish. Yeah, that makes sense. So mm-hmm. so they're sticking with that pretty I, I, I feel like maybe that's the only thing I can think of, unless uh, the Hill's Irish descent, I don't know. Hill? They mention it in one of the episodes. Yeah, I don't remember. Sure. I know. Are, Hank was born in Texas, he'll die in Texas, yeah. and in between he'll live in Texas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just wanted to say about the Chuck Mangione song that he plays, uh, later when he's kind of talking about when he's in the meeting talking about his trauma, and he says that every song sounds like feels so good or to him. Or he ends up playing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because it does feel so good <laughs> to be alive. But I think one of my favorite parts of this episode, I actually guarantee my favorite part of this episode, anything Con says or does in this episode, I just fucking love it. It's yeah. amazing. So Con gets up here to talk about Buckley, because as I mentioned earlier, there's not a huge line of people. So obviously, Buckley's girlfriend's uncle's neighbor is <laughs> to speak at his well, funeral. to be yeah, fair, very... after he saw how much Buckley pissed off Hank, he had to become close with Buckley <laughs> yeah. to really get to know him. And I wish we saw this. Like That would have been a great relationship yeah. oh, to see God. on screen. Buckley and Con. Riding on the motorcycle, Con in the sidecar. <laughs> I do I do love when Con tells off tells his story 
Uh, I love how it switches to that art style, that like watercolor. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yeah, I really like that part. I re- I quite like the story too. It's a really nice. Story. It is. Do you guys, guys want to hear it? Yeah, yeah let's hear it. As a Buddhist, of course, I get comfort from a story. I don't have to tell you how much Buddhists should like a story. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, don't begin with man being chased by ferocious tiger. Tiger chase him to edge of cliff. Man falls off. Halfway down, he grab onto a branch. He look up. They see one hungry tiger. Now he look down. He see another hungry tiger waiting for him on the ground below. That's not a good place to be. He know for sure he's gonna die. Then, out of corner of his eye, he see a wild strawberry growing from same branch. Oh, he pluck it and eat it. And it was the sweetest tasting strawberry he ever had. I could listen to Khan tell a story about anything. It was at great. any time. Yeah. It is a good it is a good story cuz much like life. <laughs> we all we all know we're going to die. You just enjoy the strawberries that you got on the branch with you. And it was a delicious. I read that strawberry. you know one tiger is meant to represent the past. Oh, and okay. the other, the tiger at the bottom, spent represent the future, mm-hmm. and they both have pain, but you know, just live in the moment. And That's, eat the strawberries. Yeah, and just like enjoy what you have right now. It's kind of like another way of saying like stop and smell the roses. Yeah, I think so. It was done beautifully, like it did a mention with the watercolor, and like I remember watching it for like, maybe the first time or like my first time remembering it and being like, "What the fuck? Like, did the channel just change?" I was like, "This, yeah. isn't, <laughs> this isn't King of the Hill." It's like, "Oh no!" But it's it's con narrating it, and also like his little spiel he does before he tells the story when he's just like is a world without Buckley a world we want to live in <laughs> it's just like oh god I love Khan so much I think it's also um interesting Khan to say he is Buddhist I think that's the first time we get that like Khan yeah. formation mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> no one else at the no one else seems to get it because Hank's just like, you believe this guy? He tells a joke at a funeral. And as Dale is lighting up a cigarette, he goes, how inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do I like that pretty... Hank clearly does get it by the end. No, I, I think at the end, not to skip to the end, but you know when that like sound happens right when he's talking to Bobby? I think he gets it in that moment. Yeah. That's yeah. That and I also for. think Boomhauer got, got it oh, immediately. Boomhauer gets <laughs> it. Oh, Boomhauer, Boomhauer gets everything. Boomhauer's a tiger. <laughs> Boomhauer is a saint. Yeah, so that's about the midway point of this episode. And now we're focused back on to Hank's problem. We got closure with Buckley. Um, he is now in the ground. Peggy's having trouble with the hot water because Bobby's supposed to take a bath. And it's just cold. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, when, when Hank and Peggy are talking in the kitchen and they're like, she's like, oh, how can one boy can get so dirty at the funeral? And, and in the you, background, yeah, you see scary. this little, like, half-naked <laughs> Bobby run through the It's so funny. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's running through the house and is gone. Like, he's in his underwear a lot this episode. Yeah, he is. Oh, God. Uh, but obviously, uh, since Hank's the expert, Peggy asks him to go check the hot water tank. And he can't even step into Peggy's office. Uh, because of his fear of propane. 
together. Yeah, Hank, Hank can't bring it together. Yeah, he can barely open the pack of matches. Mm-hmm. And Peggy... Uh, Still unaware of Hank's crippling fear of propane and fire, really anything yeah. that might explode him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about it. So she goes to do it, and as she's putting the, mat, the lip match towards the, the propane tank, or the, uh, the furnace, Hank tackles her, and that's when... Uh, that's when she that's really when find out. Yeah, yeah, she goes. She goes. Oh, you're acting like you're afraid of propane. It's like, dun dun dun. He's afraid. Of you're propane. afraid of propane. <laughs> he just. I like. I like his response. He just doesn't. He just doesn't argue. He just stands there and. Yep. He's too distraught to be like stubborn about it. Like yeah. I mean, like when he couldn't take a shit, he brushed it off for the entire episode. But this one, he's just like he is like. This close to a mental institute. Like, oh, yeah. Well, because it's easier to blame it on propane because obviously the real reason is death, right? And so he's like, yeah, no, it's propane. Yeah, no, I'm scared of propane. That's what I'm, I'm just scared of propane. And so Peggy. I obviously... think the thing is that he, he equates the two. Propane equals death. Yeah. Hmm. It does make sense. Because, I mean, that's the reality is that everybody is sort of like afraid of death. And that's why, like, you don't stand in front of trucks on the highway. Yeah. Is because that will kill you. That's what, you run but when like, there ain't no cause. But, like, <laughs> you, that isn't a scenario I find myself in ever. But for him, propane being lit is like standing in the middle of the highway when a truck is coming to you. And he acts that way because it scares him. Mm-hmm. And Peggy acts in her natural way when she finds out something's wrong with Hank. She has to fix it immediately, and she takes him to counseling. I mean, shock treatment might be the, yeah. perhaps <laughs> the best. Perhaps it is the best. Yeah. Well, Hank does. I mean, Peggy does do her best. She wants like uh, she takes Hank to the what was the trauma center or something? Uh, propane survivor support group. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's like some kind of group therapy, and like there's some bunch of people there who apparently got affected by the same thing, including Chuck and, and, and Chuck's, Chuck's yeah. there. Peggy's afraid that he might need shock treatment. <laughs> and I don't know, do you guys, like, ha- have we seen a counselor before? He looked familiar, but... His voice sounds very familiar. He did yeah. look familiar, but I think he's just another one of those, like, quote-unquote, northeastern, yeah. like, mm-hmm. types. Like, like a twig boy. I, yeah. I do want to point out, though, just, like, while we're on this guy, um, his examples of, like... <laughs> Having wine and petting your cat. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was like opposite of yeah, it was the best. Like, making love to your partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. It was like making love to your partner, stroking your cat or cats, and <laughs> sipping wine with, with your, your friends. friends. Yeah, like... it always goes back to like the common theme that like when Hank's in peril, it just gets worse yeah. and worse, and the people that are meant to help him just make it much worse. Mm-hmm. And he de- he doesn't say like. Like, he doesn't react as if he's selling steak knives. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a shit, like, therapist, too, because Chuck Mangione, he's got his issues, too. Ever since the explosion, every song I play sounds like feels so good. Maybe that's because it does feel so good to be alive. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Hank, like, he's, he's, he's still getting more and more paranoid, and he's not really talking or listening to anyone, but you can hear Chuck Mangione blowing out the spit valve on his flugelhorn, and Hank thinks this is a propane leak. And it's you such see a gross him, sound. Yeah, you like, see him, like, sweat through his shirt again. He's like, don't you all hear it? And he just goes flying out of the room and knocks mm-hmm. over his chair and runs away. And then it's just this quick shot of Chuck still just <laughs> blowing yeah. out yeah. his spit valve. Wow. We're back at the Hills house, and uh, Peggy comes over to Hank. He's sitting in his chair that he usually sits in, 
and she breaks up something. It's her scrapbook, and she says, "This is how rational people deal with trauma." I think deal with pain. I don't. I don't know. But I think it's death. It's newspaper clippings. It's also her hobby. Like she likes it. it it's a common theme. I think we see it again uh, at least once in the series where Peggy's clipping out deaths. Well, out of well we kind of saw it in like Life in the Fast Lane, that's right. where yeah. she's yeah. like obsessed oh, yeah, with the crashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's all these. Um, old newspaper clippings of like really horrific tragedies and deaths including like the university chess team gets killed by a train and there's one other one and you can clearly see like l y n y r and then below it like s k y n r like you see half of leonard skinner yeah and they're talking about the the plane crash and the pictures like of some like <laughs> hippies <laughs> crying <laughs> bell bottoms and bandanas and shit um yeah, that's obviously the Skinnerd crash when uh, Ronnie Van Zant and some other members uh, of the road crew and Steve and uh, Steve and Cassie Gaines both yeah. died. Yes, brother yeah. and sister combo. Uh, yeah, she was the backup singer, I believe. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I guess on October twentieth, nineteen seventy seven, uh, Leonard Skinnerd performed at Greenville Memorial Auditorium in Greenville, South Carolina, and boarded a Convair CV two forty airplane to take him to Baton Rouge, where he would perform at Louisiana State University. And the plane ran out of fuel near the end of the flight, and they crashed into, uh, like, a deep, wooded area. Heavily, yeah. Yes. And they... I don't know, there's a lot of different stories. Uh, surviving members mostly just remember, like, sounds like a bunch of bats were hitting the plane as they, like... I guess one of the guys went into the cabin and saw that the pilots were, like, fucking ghost faced like uh go back and buckle up and then like they all went back and kind of started praying and and like uh ronnie van zant who was uh hung over i guess was like laying on the ground with like a pillow and like i don't know if it doesn't sound like he was buckled up and so he hit a tree and passed away but yeah it was so, like, there's a lot of stories around this thing, and, you know, some are true, maybe, some might not be, but uh, apparently they were, like, gonna get, like, right after they landed in Baton Rouge, they were supposed to go and get a new plane, because mm. their album had just come out, and they were, like, right. trying to feel like one of these huge bands now that mm. they really thought they deserved a Learjet, so they were gonna go buy this, like, get rid of this 30-year-old plane. I heard this thing, and it's probably one of the not-true stories. But was it Aerosmith's yes, old plane? Yes, this is true. I was going to talk oh, about okay. this. It wasn't. Uh, yes, you're mostly right. Um, Aerosmith had this plane inspected, sort of, like by their road crew. The, who, con, the con Air one? This exact plane and crew were going to be hired by Aerosmith. And Aerosmith was like, I guess, like the people showed up and were like, the fucking pilots are sitting there drinking Jack Daniels mm. when they're supposed to be servicing the plane. And like... They just think they're rock stars too, and like well, this like, ain't. I was gonna. You don't want I was this. gonna say. You don't want like, no part of this shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, like mechanical failure is one thing, inclement weather is one thing, but like running out of fuel, man. Yeah. Like, That's, come on. So uh, apparently <laughs> these like, planes, yeah, apparently right these there. planes do work. have like a hard time with like, like the fuel gauges. I guess are usually are like not always accurate. Yeah. On this specific it's like model. my old Mazda, where like as soon as it gets to quarter <laughs> tank, you're fucking out. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean that doesn't help if like apparently also like it was supposed to be Leonard Skinner's job to 
look after the fuel, but they trusted the pilots. And then, so it was always like, well, it's not my job. It's not my job. It's not my job. And then both the pilots died in this crash also. That's the fucking pilot's job. It is. It's not the band's fucking job. So I guess they were, but like also they could like be like, oh, the meter says it's full tank, but they didn't go and actually look in the tank and fill it up. But yeah, so, um, it's a shame. It is. It is a shame. Um, just kind of to tack on to the end of the story, the this is I've heard this a lot is that the uh, the surviving members they had to like trek through like bushes of like thick forest to they, get and swamp. They were five to miles get to safety. Did they use guitars as machetes? No, they were like they were broken ribs, broken Ooh. arms, like bleeding everywhere. And then, uh, and like they're Leonard Skinner, so they look like Leonard Skinner, bunch of hairy hippies. Mm-hmm. And um, they finally get to like the closest like house that they can find, and it's this big fa- old farmhouse in like mm-hmm. Louisiana. And uh, they like hop the fence and like tr- stumble, like stagger over this guy, like bleeding. Like zombies. And he's just like, and the guy, the farmer, he's just like, who the fuck are these like fucking greasy hippies? And pulls out his shotgun and starts shooting at them. No. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't shoot them, but he shot warning shot. Yeah, Yeah. like to be like, get off my lawn, you hippies. That sounds exactly like the second season of Walking Dead. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and I guess like apparently, yeah, even like Aerosmith were pretty like. It hit them pretty hard being like, fuck. That like, could have been us. It, it could have been, been them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your third controversial statement. <laughs> Skinner more than Aerosmith. backlash, man. Hey, man. I Most mean, people do. I don't want to miss it. See, that's the thing. If if it was Aerosmith, you wouldn't have that song. Yeah, but and who knows Skinner what Skinner would have given us? Aerosmith would have been in two. Leonard Skinner would have gotten old, and they would have written a song for Armageddon too. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but it would have been. I'm like, saying, I'm saying, if Skinner survived, they might have sucked as hard as Aerosmith hey, eventually yeah, yeah. did. You know, dang old butterfly fly to wood. You know, a tree fall like ten miles away. <laughs> I, I mean, Aerosmith rocks. It's a great album. It's a great album. All right, but uh, thanks for that That's bit like of trivia. The fifth controversial statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's it's in the name, Nathan. It rocks. Why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> mm. But yeah, I fucking love Skinner. They're great. Can we get a Weeman Tony for Skinner, Ronnie sure. Van Zant? Yeah, hell yeah. Weeman Tony. Yeah, Hank's Hank starts is like the whole death thing is really weighing on his mind. Um, and I like Bill's advice that he wakes up every morning and stares death in the back of the head. <laughs> and, uh, I am not going to die. Chromium piccolonate. Every orifice, every day. For some reason, I just imagine it's a very metallic cream. <laughs> I thought it was made up. Piccolonate doesn't sound real, but chromo- chromium piccolonate is a chemical compound sold as a nutritional supplement to treat type 2 diabetes and promote weight loss. So, like, there's not a ton about it that would relate to whatever the fuck Dale's talking about, but it, when it was, like, released as, like, a nutrition supplement or, in, like, a diabetes medicine in the, I think, mid to late 80s, a lot of people believed, or it was also marketed as, as that it, it would make you not only lose weight, 
but gain muscle, which is completely untrue and unfounded. So I guess Dale believed that and figured if he put it in every orifice of his body, <laughs> he would get so muscular <laughs> that he would be completely immune to any disease or anything that could kill him. Well, muscles prevent death. Everybody knows that. Yeah, apparently. I mean, especially if you're shoving this shit up your ass. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Every orifice. <laughs> every day. What do I like- say about the, the bill thing, like staring death in the face? In the back of the head. In the back of the, the, back head. the head, I mean. Like, we're only like, Nine episodes away from Bill trying to kill himself, like <laughs> well, clearly spoilers. he thinks about death. Like, well, I guess, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought he was talking about the military. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Oh, okay, but like, I just mean like he, he clearly thinks about death. Oh yeah, oh, well, he has earlier too. Didn't they find him on his roof? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going, like, the direction, like, I'm in the army, so, like, I could be killed at any time, but he's an army barber, that's ridiculous, but he's talking about the people that could potentially start a war. I don't know what he means by staring death in the I back thought, of the I just he's, thought that he meant, like, the military is, He's like, cutting hair of people that might die. Yeah. Like, oh, might die. Might I cut thought... their hair. If they go to Afghanistan, they might not come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That I, makes I kinda, a lot of sense. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was confused by the specifics of the back of the head thing. Yeah, because... Unless Bill, like, cuts his wrist by accident with his fucking scissors. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of danger in the old barber unit. Um, but, yeah, I like that Bill also thinks that he could be – he's the most suitable to uh, take care of Bobby if uh, if Peggy needed some help. Oh, he's more than willing. Have you thought about who will take care of Bobby when you're gone? Because I'd like to throw my hat in the ring. I'd, I'd take him to baseball games, and me and Peggy could sit up in bed at night picking out colleges. Peggy would not be included in any guardianship situation. I'll take the boy. The Widow Hill is on her own. I love that. Be. All right. Don't shake his hand. <laughs> Let go of that. <laughs> the they, go, they go to shake hands, and Hank's literally, like, prying their arms <laughs> apart. <laughs> and uh, we also get uh, a little uh, taste of... Pure providence when when Boomhauer throws his hat into the ring. Man, I tell you what, Hank, about that dang old meaning of life, man. It's like this, man. He's like a butterfly flapping his wings deep down in the forest, man. They're gonna cause a tree fall like five thousand miles away, man. And ain't nobody see it, nobody don't don't even happen. You know, the baby's born into this world, and they don't they don't got any friends, and got no nothing but to go come in and find out all about them no evil, man. Man, see, like, you don't need to know, man. We're gonna, it's like you're born into this world, man. And you got, like, it's like this, man. There's dust in the wind, man. Or like the dang old candle in the wind, man. You gonna, it don't matter, man. It's all the old, old, these old times. You know what I think, man? Like, the dang old, I think, therefore you are, man. Well, that's what we tell ourselves, isn't it, Boomhauer? <laughs> I think what he's referring to is Aerosmith and Skinner. <laughs> it's Elton John. <laughs> oh, Boomhauer is so And Kansas. Wise. Yeah, Boomer gets philosophical, but you can only make out so many parts of his rambling. <laughs> so like, you got to pick and choose. It's like if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it actually happen? And he talks a little bit about the butterfly effect of a butterfly flapping its wings. Mm-hmm. Some shit happens. And dangle dust in the wind. Man. Oh, that you think? I do like how he, he pauses, like yeah, in the his story and, like, and he, leans he back, crouches down, and, like, and has a few more sips of beer, and then realizes yeah. he's not done yet. Yeah, he goes. This is the longest Boomhauer speech that we've ever gotten, like consecutive talking. <laughs> is uh, it? I, this is the longest we've got. 
It's a good one. When we were listening to it before we started recording, and Nathan compared it to listening to some coked out motherfucker trying to tell, <laughs> trying to tell a story. And well, I'm locked in a like, bathroom yep. with this guy. <laughs> That's what we like to tell ourselves. <laughs> Please get away from There's me. There's a lineup outside. We should yeah. go. <laughs> it is totally. Dangle like dust in the wind, man. So now that there's uh, talk of, you know, who's getting Bobby when, when Hank passes, uh, Bobby catches wind of this, and, and he starts to get a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see a very quick scene. This is just before Boomhauer actually goes on his philosophical uh, rant there about life and death. But we see Bobby, Joseph, and Connie, and they're kind of hunched over. I think they're in Dale's yard, but they're on the other side of the fence. And they hear... And Con's yard. Oh, is that where they are? Yeah, they're somewhere over there. But Bobby hears... Hank's friends talking about death and what's going to happen if Hank was to die and Bobby starts freaking out and he goes oh I thought my dad said he was going to be fine and he kind of crouches down he starts hyperventilating he's clearly shook about it and uh, we'll see it again near the end of the episode that he is uh, it really hit him quite hard yeah this is about the third or maybe the fourth time Bobby's had to come at least close to the topic of him living on his own when his parents aren't around or at least Okay, so uh, Hank finally tries to face his fear and um, light the barbecue for uh, for dinner, I guess. And he's like, he's got like one of those really long sticks. I don't even know. It's like, a, it's like thirty. Feet. It's like one of those things you pick up stuff from a pool with. Like it's so long. He's standing like thirty feet away, trying to push the ignite button. <laughs> and he is drenched. And he's like sweating so hard. He's so stressed out. And he's like just about to press the button. And then he kind of gets saved because um, Bobby runs away, and um, he's already past the tri-yard area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what's that? Like, Dale, Cons, yeah. <laughs> Hank's yards? Pretty much. Peggy comes up to uh, to Hank's like, oh, Bobby ran away. And, like, um, Hank's like, okay, yeah. So he gets Ladybird, gets a fruit pie, opens <laughs> it. <laughs> Gets her to smell it, and then I guess she starts leading him somewhere. Well, but... I mean, her mom did track down <laughs> James Earl Ray, so yeah. <laughs> she's got it in her blood. Mm-hmm. But as uh, as Hank runs away with Ladybird to track down Bobby, uh, Luann doesn't seem to care whatsoever because, you know, there's the starving kids in Ireland and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, she has this great line. It is hard to feel sorry for that little boy. There are whole villages in Ireland where children are too busy sewing whooshes on tennis shoes to run away. I heard enough from you. The more you hold in, the more you put on strange Sinead O'Connor act. I cry river of tear for Buckley. Why not you? Why not you? Why not you? Con is the best, man. Like, no, like, everyone in the Hill House is like, Luann's too fragile. We can't call her out on her bullshit. We'll let her grieve the, the way she mm-hmm. wants to. And Con is the only motherfucker that's like, listen, you're insane right now. Like, cry about your feelings. Like, yeah. let it out. Like, you are nuts right yeah. now. Con, who usually shows no remorse, is just like the king of compassion. In this he episode. just, like, comes yeah. in and fixes her, like, fixing a carburetor. Yeah. yeah. And I like that throughout this episode that, you know, Con plays such a pivotal role, but they don't let Min be a part of it. Like, Min's nowhere to be seen. Like, it's just Con. She was at the funeral. Mm-hmm, but she, she didn't say She anything. doesn't she say, say anything, and she's not there, but I don't know. Con is just, just that Buddhist wisdom. Like, he's just really showing through in this episode, and I love it so much. Yeah, it's great because, like, he really kind of sets her straight because she ignored her manger babies. 
Like when Peggy, you know, asked her to use them, and she said, puppets are for children. Yeah, and I really like that, because the next scene, she goes to run and, and have a cry, and she plays out her feelings with the, with the manger babies, and that's like, if we go back to her whole, like, understanding of the puppets in the first place, was, like... Mm-hmm. Therapy. Exactly. It was like a therapeutic um, release for her feelings. So it's going back to exactly what she knows. I really like. I think it comes full circle for her in so many ways. I really, really like the uh, the closure she gets. Like mm-hmm. she gives herself with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the last line that we get from Buckley is the best one. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey. So for your birthday, I wanted to get you those earrings you like, but I'm kind of tapped out, so here's some CDs I don't listen to anymore. Later, Buckley. <laughs> so what CDs do you think they were? Oh, uh, it's 1990. Well, it's like Sugar Ray or something. Probably Kid Rock, for sure. It oh, could have been the Bawa da Ba. The Bangy Bang. He sings that Butterfly song. Uh, oh, Crazy Train? Crazy Town. Crazy Town. Crazy yeah, Town. Crazy Town. Yeah, either way, that's a... It's a hell of a good uh, birthday present. Because, I mean, on Valentine's Day, remember he shows up with those chocolates and Hank's like, those better be for me. He's like, no, they're for me for later. (laughs) (laughs) He's tapped out because he bought a new trampoline. So So we kind of get closure for Luann. And it's kind of now up to Hank to face his fears. Mm -hmm. Well, he's got bigger things on his plate at this moment. Mm -hmm, Which kind of helps him put everything into perspective, I think. Like... After yeah, after Luan like, you know, finds solace in the major babies, using them as as like a medium as she has before to let her feelings out, she she understands. But she starts crying and stuff, and then we pan to Hank, and he's climbing up that ladder in the jungle gym rocket ship looking thing that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. And Bobby's sitting up there, and it's <laughs> I laugh because Hank's like, or Bobby's like, Dad, how'd you find me? He's like, Well, I I gave Lady Bird a set of a fruit pie and uh. Well, I ran into Mr. Krinsky. He phoned and said he saw you here. <laughs> oh, he was probably just looking for his mom. And I guess he's, he's, Mr. Krinsky's mom has some dementia or Alzheimer's <laughs> or something. And she's playing in the sandbox. <laughs> I like that. I like that uh, Hank's still going to give credit where credit's due. Ladybird picked up that scent of that fruit pie. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was on the way. It just... She would have got it eventually. Okay. She's a good dog. You could actually see her like sitting at the bottom. Of yeah. the the playground, mm-hmm. like as as Hank and Bobby are having their little their little powwow that they have, mm-hmm. because uh, when Hank sees that Bobby is kind of sharing the same fear that Hank is about Hank dying, he realizes that there's no time to be worrying about that kind of thing, especially at his age. A boy your age ought to worry about getting dates and making a team and you know getting dates, <laughs> and that that's right. When he kind of, I think, Con little, story like yeah, sinks he in. That. He has this little epiphany there. You can hear the music. Yeah, it's like that change. Asian kind of music starts. Huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll check it out. There was this man, and he was being chased by a ferocious tiger. Uh, make that a lion. A Detroit lion. Two of them. And the man was Cowboy Hall of Famer Roger Staubach. I know him. He sells life insurance on TV. Yeah, well, anyway... The lions were blitzing, and Roger rolled out of the pocket, running for his life. He headed for the sidelines, but these two lions were closing in on him. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he saw a strawberry cup of Gatorade. Well, Roger took a drink of that Gatorade, but I'll tell you something, son. 
It was the sweetest sip of Gatorade Roger ever tasted. So Roger Thomas Staubach, born February 5th, 1942. He, uh, he's basically like Hank's hero, just by reading his description. He went to the U.S. Naval Academy, got the 1963 Heisman Trophy, graduated and served with the U.S. Navy, went to Vietnam, then joined the Cowboys in 69, played for 11 seasons. He led them to the Super Bowl five times. What position? Quarterback. Quarterback. And he was known as Captain Comeback. Roger the Dodger. That's right. Yeah, he won two of those five times at the Super Bowl, being... uh, Named most valuable player of Super Bowl six. Does he sell insurance? Is that what Bobby said that he does? Uh, real estate, it looks like. He, he started a commercial real estate business in 1977. <laughs> it's funny that Hank's pretty quick on his feet there to morph Khan's Buddhist tiger story into the Roger the Dodger getting chased by two Detroit Lions. But Bobby, think... Bobby doesn't get it either. It's just like how the guys reacted to Khan's story at the funeral. Bobby goes, oh, I get it. You told that pretty good. I have a joke now, too. <laughs> I think the Hank just morphing the story into his own uh, words kind of just proves, furthers the the idea that he does get it. Like, it clicks. Like mm-hmm. he, Yeah, for sure. It's strawberry Gatorade now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Bobby doesn't get it yet. He tells his own joke about Eskimos. Two Eskimos <laughs> want to buy a car together. But only one of them knows how to drive. So they take a bus to the car store and they bring their money with them. Oh, did I say they were trading in their dog sled? No. Good, because that's the punchline. So the money melts because it's a snowball and they get there late. So they have to stay in a hotel. I'm going to leave out the bellhop part because it doesn't really go anywhere. God, this is a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) I love how he's basically yelling. It reminds me so much of like when a little kid does want to tell you a story or like a joke or something that they can't not. This is like... let their emotions shine through in their voice when they're like trying to try to get it out. Hank's like, "Uh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I do like it how at the end, like when they fade out, you see... uh, like Hank's got his arm around Bobby. It's like nice, and you see Ladybird at the bottom, mm-hmm. kind of like sort of just relaxing. Mm-hmm. Like, and the sun's going down. Yeah, it's like it gets twilight. Darker, yeah. yeah, the classic feel good King of the Hill ending. Yeah, it's a really like nice ending with the music, and then uh, except for the of course the, the credits. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that was kind of a fucking jam in the whole mood. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they just tried to show that he's back at work, maybe. And I, I like think that Maria is yeah. still there. Was that Maria? It's Maria yeah, Muscleman. Yeah. She's Definitely getting in right. on the jokes now. Like oh, she's, she's really been, fit in. She's been there for a while now. Yeah, yeah she's really not, fit in. I did not like those credits rolling. Like, no, they that, did. That really took away from the actual ending of the episode. Yeah, like, we right. didn't need to see that. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, it was, it was okay, cheap. but. Cheap. I think I think Nathan's right that it, it just shows that he's back at work. I think and everything's just, back to yeah, normal. Yeah, everything's yeah, normal now. Normal. Like, the future episodes are going to be normal, mm-hmm. except for Buckley won't be in them, exactly. obviously. But after this episode, there's not really any, like, fallout from what happened. Like, Luann's more or less over it. Like there is the wings of the dope episode, but like, that's, that's true. That's yeah, for, not for a while, but well, don't spoil that for me. Yeah, but I mean, like, even though you're right, the credits maybe were unnecessary and they changed the mood. Uh, I'm happy that I got to hear some Joe Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, baby, thanks for blowing up the Megalomart. 
I do like how, like, in the next two or three episodes, like, Luann's hair gradually grows back. Like, oh, nice. the next so episode, she's got, like, short hair. And then I think by, like, the third or fourth, like, she's got her normal hair. But, like, it's kind of a nice touch. It just keeps the consistency that we like to see in this show. I kind of do think the jokes, like, just being made by the by the crew is sort of kind of reinforces the whole, like, living in the moment kind of, like... They're all happy that the Megalomart got blown up. Of course, they're not happy that Buckley's dead, but nobody really seems to... I'm sure a lot of them didn't even know Buckley. Yeah, that's for sure. But I mean, like, you know, like, I feel like joking about that kind of thing, like, makes it makes it so they can all come back together. and. It makes sense. Yeah. Laughter I mean, is the best I still think it, pro- yeah, like it probably would have been better if they just had black normal Well, I mean, we'll find out the next episode everything's back to normal, so... Yeah, you're right. What is but, the next episode? The next episode is uh, Bobby Love. Yeah, they call it Bobby Love. Oh, I don't like that one. All right. So, so you're not coming back next week? <laughs> well, isn't that the one where he, he meets that, 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 I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's just, I feel bad for Bobby. Bobby. It's his heart broken. It's just, it makes me, oh, I can't is watch. Is this Carrie Strug? I think. No, no, no. She's taller than Carrie Strug. <laughs> no, she's like 14. Um, All right, guys. <laughs> With the end of the episode comes our final thoughts. Nathan, why don't we let our guest take it? Yeah, I uh, I love this episode. Um, it's like a really good ending to part one. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I think like uh, the the <laughs> is it <laughs> the con story is probably my favorite part. Like and just how like ties into the whole episode. And then I really like how like Hank makes it his own story. But it's like still takes like everything from it, but um, yeah, I really love these two parters. I think I said that last time, but like uh, most of the two parters, like in the first like five or six seasons, are like some of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I love the I love the two part just because I feel they can go so much more in depth with like just like characters and and like the storytelling as a whole like isn't so constrained. Yeah. I. I uh, I'm pretty excited because I know that there's quite a few more two-parters, and I, I like what they've done with this one, and I'm pretty excited to see what what the next ones are going to be. In my opinion, being a, the first two-parter that I've seen out of the King of the Hill series, um, it felt to me like the first part I enjoyed more, um, so i kind of like to see how they take the next second-parter because it felt like the first one was really tight and they had a really clear goal of what they wanted to set up and it kind of it built a lot of tension and it was really exciting to watch and I guess that kind of comes with a finale uh, but uh, this one it felt a lot more relaxed the stakes weren't very high um, and we did get to see different parts of Hank and Luann and how they deal with things uh, but it didn't feel too out of the ordinary of a King of the Hill episode so I enjoyed it but it definitely wasn't one of my favorites uh, and because it, it didn't have any really good belly laughs like I like I usually do, so I'm excited to see what the next two parter is all about. And I'm sorry to see Buckley go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a bit. It, it seems a bit soon. I mean, like I know I knew it was happening, but I guess I just I feel like I kind of always thought he was more like around more. Yeah, and I've only known the show with Buckley, so mm-hmm. yeah, it felt like he's been around a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this episode. I'm taking more of an opposite approach than you, Dustin. Uh, the first 
part of the propane boom. It was like there was so much high tension like building up to it that I felt it kind of took away from the humor, at least for the second half of, mm-hmm. of part one. So the second one being more relaxed, I loved it. Especially how like um I think Nathan mentioned in one of our earlier episodes about how like Bobby and Connie are the only animated kids that you'll see that actually truly act like kids and then being so unaffected at Buckley's funeral by by the death of someone that they know that you know it's a part of their life but all they want to do is play in the cemetery. I like that. Um I loved how Con and this unbeknownst to us relationship he had with Buckley that he had to seek out this Buckley fellow just because he annoyed Hank so much. Like, that is fucking amazing. And then Con calls out Luann in front of everybody. Like, what I was wanting so, like, we were, like, I was hoping for that. That somebody needs to tell Luann to shut up and cry about Buckley. And Con is the one to do it. Like, the most unsuspecting character. And Toby Huss knocked it out of the absolute park with that. And I love this episode. It's, It's one of my favorites. Zero complaints. It's so good. I would have liked to see Cotton come speak at his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since uh, this is the first time we've been in the clubhouse uh, for a little while, it's been almost a two m- months, a month, month and a half, month a month and, and, half. and a bit. It's been a minute. It's been a while. So we had our nice friend of ours, Krista, all the way from Arkansas. She's on Instagram at CJ Camp. Uh, she sent us this beautiful little piece of cross-stitch art uh, with the guys it- in the alley. And the order is straight below it, and we love it so much. So we just like to once again say thank you to her and give her a big old round table. Wimitanya! It is amazing. The amount of detail on uh, Hanks and Dale's glasses is just is phenomenal. Uh, it warmed my heart to actually see somebody put in some some effort uh, <laughs> to kind of thank us for what we do because uh, you know it is we it is amazing. No, don't say that. <laughs> It, it is a heart. It's a labor of love. <laughs> so this is a labor of love. We uh, we all have very busy lives, and it's hard for us to all get together, and it does take quite a bit of time. So to see the 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 listeners really appreciate what we do and, and send us that kind of love, really, it feels really good. It makes me want to you know continue doing this, and uh, it makes me really excited for what's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. big things for season three. Bigger and better than ever. Stay tuned. And we hope you enjoy our new logo. Mm-hmm, yeah. So to close this meeting off, can we get a final roundtable We Matanya for this episode and Buckley? Uh, we Matanya! Conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com.
please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.